What's up? It's your girl, Charlie D. And after a pretty long hiatus, I'm back. And I have to say, I missed you guys. I miss podcasting so freaking much. It took me a long time to find the time and the energy to really plan and try to get back. And because of this, some things have changed. Um, so if I can take a few moments, I really want to just try to quickly explain where I've been, what's been going on, and how the show is moving forward. So first, where have I been? Well, not to bore you with the whole history, but at the time that I launched this podcast in January 2018, my husband and I were nearing the end of our journey with IVF in hopes of having a second child. I was nearing the age of 40, which has always been my baby cutoff, and quite frankly, over the process and ready to move on. So of course, after I launched this dream idea podcast of mine and was having a ball with it, that's when it happened. <laughs> At 40 years old, I found myself pregnant with my second son and it was a very difficult and trying pregnancy. Fast forward down the line, my Alexander is beautiful and healthy and a completely active, rambunctious, crazy toddler that brings me to my next point. Chasing after, running after, and halfway losing my mind with this boy all day leaves me with virtually little time or energy left for myself or to pursue anything else. So the next obstacle was figuring out how could I find the time to podcast. I wanted ideally to do this show just the way I did it before, but realistically, I don't even have half the time I had before. And that is why the format of the show has changed. Yeah, I had to change the format. Where before I had a conversational type show in which guests and I were doing back and forth discussions on the featured artist. Moving forward, I'm now doing this solo, still bringing you the same retrospective music, memories, and etc., but this time on my own. It's a bit more work, but I really couldn't wait for my baby to just like grow up and give me more time and space, so I decided I gotta try this. If I'm able to find the time to record with a guest, I definitely will, but for right now, it's just all me. So with that out of the way, I hope you enjoy the new Word to the Mother. Welcome to Word to the Mother, a retrospective on 90s R&B and hip-hop. Here's your host, your girl, Charlie D. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Charlie D. Today's artist started out as a dancer on BET's Teen Summit. She has performed with artists such as Cisco, Lil' Kim, Pink, and Christina Aguilera, just to name a few. She also had a supporting role in the movie musical Chicago. Today, y'all, I'm talking about Maya.
Maya Marie Harrison was born on October 10, 1979 and raised in the suburbs of Washington, D.C. She grew up idolizing the likes of the great Michael Jackson. At a young age, she began taking a serious interest in music, first with the violin, then dance, studying ballet, jazz, and then when she discovered the famed tap dancer Savion Glover of the Dance Theater of Harlem, she developed a serious interest in tap dancing. When Glover came to DC for a tap workshop, he met Maya and was so impressed with her skills, she was chosen for a spot in a performance at the Kennedy Center. In 1996, her dance talents won her a spot as a dancer on BET's Teen Summit. She also began teaching dance lessons in a local camp, all while working on music in her spare time. On an episode of Dancing with the Stars, her father, Sherman Harrison, revealed that while Maya had been dancing since she was a young child, her parents had no idea she could even sing until she was about 14 or 15 years old. She stated she was uncomfortable about it and kept it from them, singing only for her friends at the time, until they finally encouraged her to pursue it. And finally, she showed her family what she could do. I'd see Maya tap, and I was really impressed with her capabilities. However, I didn't know she could sing until she was 14, 15 years old. I would sing around the house, and I would start performing at school secretly for my friends because I didn't want my parents to know that I could sing for some reason. I think that's because since she is a perfectionist, if she disclosed that she wanted to be a singer, then that means that she would have to be, at that point, the best singer in her mind. It wasn't until I got the motivation from my friends where I became confident enough to address my parents and let them hear my voice. And she did. Once it was clear that she was set on a career in music, her family began to support her ambitions. And after finishing a demo, her dad, a musician himself, began helping her shop her demo around until it caught the attention of university music producer Hawk Islam. How do you wake up and you say, I want to be an R&B star, superstar, <laughs> and I live in Maryland? How did, how did it happen for you? How did the journey happen for you? It's so funny that you say that because I didn't ever wake up and say I want to be an R&B star. It was Broadway for me. I love theater. And I was a theater kid, you know, uh, tap dancer, originally improvisationalist. I was always singing. My dad was the one that was the singer in the family. So I was a musical kid, always around musicians in my, my living room, my garage. He would rehearse all the time and I'd be in the studio with him. He would put out his own independent records, vinyl, had his own record label. And I remember being in the studio with him early, early on, but it was stage for me. It was acting, it was dancing, it was writing songs, composition, singing. It was all of that. I love the whole big picture. So Broadway was my goal after college. And it's just that the record deal came first. And I took it and ran with it because I was doing all those things already in school. How did you get the record deal? That's what I'm saying. Like, how did you get the record deal? How did you? Go from Maryland to getting the record deal. <laughs> and Interscope right. is in LA. Yeah, because Maryland is definitely not the place that most people associate music business with. Um, mm -hmm. There was an independent label in Washington, D.C. that mm. came to my living room in 1996, one day after high school, and asked me to sing live. I had no clue what was up. I came downstairs from doing my homework. Hawk Islam, who was the president of that label with Lita Rosario, uh, mm -hmm. 
they basically kind of interviewed me, see where my saw where my head was at. They I had already seen my bio of performances and everything I was doing already, but they wanted to hear me sing live. I had recorded some demos they heard, so they just wanted to see me, see my presence, come to a couple shows, hear me sing live. And that's how I got my independent uh, label deal through them, University Music Entertainment. And at the time, they were developing Drew Hill. While I was still in Ooh. high school in the following year, Drew Hill popped off with Island Records and they got that major deal for Drew Hill. And so they also had Pure Soul, which was a female R&B slash gospel group. Mm. And I was next, and he was actually looking for a female artist, because that's something that he didn't have at the time. And so I started going to Philadelphia to record my first album, basically demos, while I was in college at Mar Maryland University, College Park. And I had to finally make a decision because the deal came across the table with Interscope Records. And it was an opportunity of a lifetime. Um, my mom and I flew to LA and sat down in the boardroom. I performed a tap dance, all kind of stuff. And the deal was kind of sealed, but I was still a minor, so I couldn't technically sign until I was 18, which is when the album came out. And still I was not signed that whole first album cycle because I was just a test at a rap and rock label. Death Row Records was there, Tupac was there, you know, Marilyn Manson was there. They didn't have an R&B department, so they were like, we don't know what the heck we're doing, you know, uh, we'll see if it works. And it just so happened to work. She eventually was signed to Interscope Records, and in 1998, she debuted her self-titled album, Maya, featuring the singles It's All About Me, which made it to number six on the Billboard Hot 100, Moving On, which made it to number 34, and My First Night With You, which peaked at number 28. With that said, do you remember when Maya first debuted? Okay, my initial thoughts on the first album, Maya. The year was 1998, and the first video I saw was Moving On. Okay, my thoughts, y'all. One, she was too cute. Two, she could dance. Three, she had a banger body with a booty. And four, she had that quote-unquote good hair. Okay. Real talk, because I know we're not really supposed to say the term good hair in 2020, 2021, natural hair movement, da-da-da-da-da. But for the youngins, okay, there used to be a time when you could not label hair good or bad hair. But back in the days, you got to go back to the, the 90s and even back in the 80s, there was a term we used to use, which was considered good hair. Good hair referred to a certain type of hair. And y'all know what I'm talking about. Non-coily, tightly curly, kinky, textured hair. Pretty much like mine. <laughs> Basically, she had that long, wavy, curly, mixed type of hair that a lot of us in the 90s really aspired to have. And when I say a lot of us, I'm really talking about me. Basically, she had what we used to call back there good hair. So, seeing her cute dance, body, hair, everything about her was just pretty my first thought was I felt a little bit threatened by her threatened because I didn't really look like her so I thought this is the type of girl that guys are gonna want so if they see a girl like her I'm gonna be like less cute and yeah just a lot of insecure teenage bull stuff all that is to say is my first thought was oh god this girl is really really cute how can I even compare to her my next thoughts were damn she's actually pretty good 
I, I quickly became a fan. I mean, really, Maya had it all. So let's see. No, actually, the first video I saw was um, not moving on. It was It's All About Me, the one she did with Cisco. It was actually her debut video. And I remember thinking her dancing looked really professional. It kind of reminded me of Aaliyah. I was the type of person I really ate at videos where people were dancing, type choreography, nice outfits, the whole nine. So all of that really caught my attention. Um, she looked amazing in it. The funny part is, in a later interview, she revealed that while she was talking about getting down and putting that thing on and all this suggestive stuff, she really hadn't experienced any of that quite yet. So she was really singing some stuff she didn't really know about, but she could have fooled me. She also, I believe, helped choreograph that video. So it was really, really hot. Um, honey, she had me fooled because the way she was moving and them lyrics, she had me going. It's all about me. It was like super duper hot. The next video was moving on. And I feel like this video came out like two weeks later. I'm sure it wasn't that close together. But I know when she came out, it seemed like she just kind of blew up immediately. Moving on to me was even hotter. <laughs> this was a song where she had a lot of, again, suggestive lyrics. I remember her pulling out some girl's drawers out of her bag. Stating, you know, I wear a size four. And I'm like damn she got drawers somebody drawers in her bag and listen to this too cute girl she's a size four i probably was a size four i don't remember all i know is everything about her was a little too grown a little too cute but at the same time was i was highly impressed with her um the dancing again seriously tight the outfits y'all if you haven't seen this video in a long time go to youtube now and go watch it the way she had her hair pinned up was so cute she played a cheerleader which apparently she was in real life Everything about it was really, really cute. I dug all the outfits. I dug the content, had lots of attitude. I think at the time this came out in 98, I was in my upper teens, 19 to maybe 20. So I wasn't quite as young as when Aaliyah first came out, but it was hot. It was really, really hot. The next video was My First Night With You. And I think that was the, the last single from that album that was actually released very pretty song what i did not know is it was originally recorded by singer deborah cox in The lyrics makes it seem more suggestive than what it actually is, but it, it actually was a, a pretty nice ballad. In addition to her debut singles, Maya also was featured on the single Ghetto Superstar on the Bullworth soundtrack, 
with rapper Prize. Rugrats movie soundtrack single Take me there, I wanna go there go there just take me to that great place wonders and wishes you might remember that always thought that's that, that video was really cute um that was with black street mace and blinky blink i remember that video being really cute because they maya or somebody they were like in a crib they were like pretending to be like really little kids and it had cute choreography it was just adorable i just i remember that very clearly as being really really cute in 1999, Maya released her second album, Fear of Flying. The title, inspired by the 1973 novel of the same name by author Erica Jong, spoke about female sexuality and second wave feminism. The album featured the singles Case of the X and The Best of Me with Jada Kiss. For her second album, Maya got more involved in every aspect as she wanted to learn more about the process from writing to recording, mixing, and even mastering. She noted that the title Fear of Flying was a metaphor for the ups and downs of life. So the Fear of Flying album, um, I also got, I think I had Maya's first three albums and I, I definitely bought this one. The title song is actually really pretty and I'm not a huge ballad person but this one stuck with me. It had a very sweet, smooth, soothing sound and I could really relate to the lyrics of it. What it's basically talking about is when she says the fear of flying, she's talking about the the fear of letting your heart go, giving it to someone and letting it fly high up in the sky. And she sounds simply gorgeous on that track. Now, case of the X, y'all, this here, this one here is still one of my favorite 90s videos of all time. This beat is just ridiculous. The video features this middle of nowhere desert dance scene that to this day, I wish I was a professional dancer so I could be all up in it. She did this thing with this long metal pole sticks thing that I just loved. She also wore this low, these low rise jeans with the red thong showing. <sighs> Sad to say, but the visible thong was a look. For the kids that missed the 90s, I think it was early 2000s too. Yes, the visible thong thing was a look and she rocked it in this video. I didn't rock it because I had nowhere important to be, but I would have loved to if I had a video or somebody somewhere important to be. 
that's just classic 90s then she did this thing where she she did this clothes change where she appears to rip off her first midriff top and change it to a second midriff top just hot just hot sorry this music this video production for me was just hotter than anything produced in i'm gonna say all the 2020 y'all changed my mind changed my mind and yes i saw the wap video no hate to cardi and megan they did their thing but maya maya tore this video up she really did i just absolutely loved it the next single i really liked on this album was called taking me over love this track it was really cute sorry i keep using the word cute but most importantly, it featured my girl Left Eye from TLC. I was always so tickled to see her in any capacity. And only until I did this research did I find out it was produced by Robin Thicke. Doing his producing thing back then. Really, really good song. Lastly, The Best of Me with Jada Kiss. The thing I remember most about this video was, was this rotating camera trick that circled her whole body from front to back while she sang. It was so 90s and it was so tight. That, and I remember her wearing this jersey dress mini skirt that if I had the means, the body, I, I would do it now. It was, it was really, really cute. After the success of Fear of Flying, Maya was featured on two movie soundtracks on Walt Disney's Atlantis, the Lost Empire's track, Where the Dreams Take You, and on the Moulin Rouge soundtrack for a remake of the 1975 hit, Y'all know what I'm talking about. Lady Marmalade with Pink, Lil' Kim, and Christina Aguilera. My soul, sisters. Let me hear y'all flow, sisters. Hey, sister, go, sister, soul, sister, flow, Which spent five weeks at number one on the Billboard Top 100. And became an international hit. At the 2001 MTV Music Awards, the group's song won Six Moon Men and the hit also went on to win Best Pop Collaboration with Vocals at the 44th Grammy Awards. Y'all, come on. You remember this. After much delay, Maya released her third album, Mood Ring, in July 2003, which peaked at number three its first week and debuted with the Missy Elliott-produced track, my love is like whoa, my body's like whoa, my something's like whoa. Y'all remember that. Wikipedia states it became a top 20 hit and became a summer anthem for women. Okay, moving. This would be the last album by Maya that I bought back in the time when I had to actually purchase and own CDs for artists that I love. My love is like whoa, I'm gonna be really honest, I wasn't really feeling this song. The video was great. The video really showcased her choreography, her dance moves, her body, and how gorgeous she was. The song, enough for me, wasn't a whole lot. But I will say this, as of this research, it got stuck in my head and I'm kind of feeling it now, so. The album's second single called Fallen failed to achieve the same success, but the album as a whole remained on the charts for 18 weeks, certifying as gold with 589,000 copies sold. I actually recorded that song in my hometown, Maryland, state of Maryland, and the producers are One Up Entertainment. I had been working with them for a while, and so we did a demo version in Maryland. And um, when I went to LA to finish the album, I presented it, and I got with executive producer Ron Fair, who was at A&M at the time, with mm. the sister company of Interscope, which was not, by the way, a, an R&B label. So, 
I got with Ron Fair because he's, he's like a, a super gay. hit maker, a super yeah. pop hit music maker. Like he's, guy. He's, 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 he's a big boy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, orchestrates music, does the sheet music, all that stuff. So that's why it's a timeless record because he put his magic on it and reproduced the record in a way. And the sample from the far side is on that. So it's kind of like classic hip hop homage on Fallen. Yeah, and so that's a lot of people's favorite record because it is a timeless record and it's very, very musical. Maya began to try her hand at acting and appeared in the hit musical Chicago in 2002, followed by Dirty Dancing Havana Nights in 2004, Shall We Dance, also in 2004, and Incursed in 2005. Okay, I was tickled to see her in Chicago as it was a surprise cameo. And that dance number is one of the biggest highlights for me from the whole movie. The whole damn movie was amazing, y'all. But that he had it coming, girl, bye. that was it for me. <laughs> that, that was my, that was my thing. I loved our Lipschitz more than I could possibly say. He was a real artistic guy, sensitive, a painter. But he was always trying to find himself. He'd go out every night looking for himself and on the way. He found Ruth, Gladys, Rosemary, and Irving. I guess you could say we broke up because of artistic differences. He saw himself as alive, and I saw him dead. That was my jam. After delays and setbacks, Maya's fourth album, Liberation, failed to chart, and his two singles, Lock You Down and Riding, underperformed, y'all. We're in 2007 now. But Maya continued to work, starring in an independent romantic comedy called The Metrosexual, which was screened at the Boston Film Festival. In 2008, she starred in a drama thriller called Cover with Vivica A. Fox, Leon, and Patti LaBelle then went on to star in a direct-to-DVD comedy called Love for Sale. After parting ways with her major record label Universal Motown, Maya started her own label called Planet Nine, of which she went on to release no less than 15 independent studio projects, all self-funded, recorded, and engineered. In 2008, she released her fifth album, Sugar and Spice, specifically to the Asian market. It had one single called Paradise, which was also reissued in 2009. That same year, she released her first mixtape, Beauty in the Streets, Volume 1, which debuted at 55 on Billboard's R&B and Hip Hop albums. The following year, in 2010, she was a guest vocalist on the number one hit remake, We Are the World 25 for Haiti, which hit the top 20 in several international markets, including Canada. Maya continued to stay busy. In 2011, she took on full creative control for her sixth studio album titled Kiss, Keep It Sexy and Simple, contributing to songwriting and producing. This was another album released in Japan. When the album was released via iTunes that December, it featured a dance track with rapper Trina called Earthquake. Twenty sixteen, Maya released her seventh album called Smooth Jones, 
which debuted at number 30 on Billboard and featured two singles, Welcome to My World and Team You. It was a critical success, receiving a Grammy nomination for Best R&B Album. I did not hear about this album. In fact, I didn't hear about most of her albums after Mood Rang, but I'm still happy to hear that she was still thriving, succeeding, and getting her awards. Maya was doing her thing, whether I heard about it or not. 2018 and beyond, Maya is still releasing new music. The single You Got Me was dropped in 2018 from the album TKO The Knockout. And babies, let me tell you, the video is fire. This got any radio play, but it's just as good, if not better, than anything I've heard on my local RB station. Hello, 92Q in Baltimore. Are you giving Maya love? Check out the video ASAP, y'all. You got me. It is hot. The TKO album was released to commemorate the anniversary of her debut album, Maya. There are honestly so many acting features Maya has done in her career that I cannot really list them. In addition to her appearance on Dancing with the Stars, she also did an episode of the 90s show Sister Sister, and she was on the 2019 VH1 reality show Girls Cruise with Lil' Kim and Chili from TLC. I'm so sorry I missed this show. I don't know how I did because you know I was obsessed with TLC. I used to love me some Lil' Kim. I didn't hear anything about it until well after the fact. Gotta see if I can stream me some old episodes. I would love to catch up on that. Maya is still releasing music, y'all. This woman cannot be stopped. In 2020, she released three singles, including one as late as December 2020. But the one I was really, really feeling is from 2019 called Hands Free with dancehall artist Ding Dong. Not sure if it got any mainstream radio play, but it should have. Here's a sample. I liked it. I think it's hot. It's danceable. What's not to like? Maya has always been a very private person. And as far as her personal life, there was a new article from a few years back stating that Maya had been secretly married with a photo of her on a beach wearing a gorgeous wedding dress. I wondered who the lucky guy could be, really. I was wondering, so I did some digging and it turns out it was just for a video. Maya currently is not married, nor does she have any children. But honey, there's nothing wrong with that, nothing at all. She is doing her thing, living her life, still producing, performing, acting, and still incredibly gorgeous. So whatever makes her happy is what makes me happy for her. I'm, I'm just saying, I'm thinking, why is it she married with kids or 
You know, because I know you're everybody's favorite. And so, and then I, I look at, you know, I do a little research on you and it says, secretly married. Um, <laughs> are these rumors or, 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 or is it facts? Well, a part of it is facts. I married myself in a music video, but in real life, I really married myself after a toxic relationship. Way back in 2013, I exited. In 2014, I moved forward with my life and said, you know what? You got to get it together. You got to love you. You got to create some vows that you adhere to so that you don't fall into the trap of, you know, something that you don't deserve. So I married myself in real, real life. And then I just recently renewed my vows <laughs> last year. So there's no, there's the no guy, in, there's no guy involved with this marriage. No, there's no husband. There's no man. I'm making a statement through music and visuals that it's really important to love yourself first before you can love anybody else or even expect that love to show up to match the best you. So it's all about becoming the best you. Final thoughts on Maya and her legacy. When I think of the main R&B solo divas from the 90s, I think of Mary J. Blige, Brandy, Monica, Toni Braxton, the late and great Aaliyah, and then Maya. When she hit the scene, she refused to not make a name for herself in the game. For me, she had the total package. A sweet singing voice, hot provocative music videos. I personally was changed to screen whenever she came on. Badass dance moves, fashion, and she was beautiful. And she still is. Hey, thanks for listening to Word to the Mother. Be sure to find us on Facebook and Twitter. Until the next episode, we out.